Well, welcome. Um, I hope you guys' weekend has been amazing. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much for your word that it never turns back void. Um, thank you that you love us in spite of us, Lord. Um, thank you for your grace and mercy when we fail. Um, thank you for uh, just, man, your presence in our life, Lord. Um, thank you that you give us opportunities to confess our sins to each other, Lord, and to pray and have forgiveness and, and uh, have your spirit be moving amongst us, Lord. And thank you that um, without love amongst us and grace and mercy and forgiveness, Lord, I don't know what else we have. And uh, just thank you so much, God, for the chapter that we're going to look at today in Daniel. Just ask that you would uh, write upon the fleshly tablets of our hearts, Jesus, that you would remove any distractions, that you would help us to uh, focus upon you, Lord. Um, and just lift up uh, missionaries that are out in different parts of the world. We pray for the body, that you would strengthen it. Again, Lord, every, pray for all the churches and all of hers, that you would pour your spirit out upon them, Lord, and that you would draw people unto you. Um, thank you for uh, just each and every person that's here today. Thank you for all 13,000 some odd people in all of hers, Lord. And we just ask that you would just do a great work. Uh, and if you want to start with us, here we are. Um, just pray for those that might be watching online, that you would bless them, Lord, with your word through today's study. And uh, just thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives and how you never give up on us. And even when we feel like throwing in the towel, Lord, you come alongside of us and you encourage us, Lord, whether through your word or through your Holy Spirit directly or through other believers, Lord. And just praise you for the body of Christ, Lord. Just how magnificent it is and how multifaceted it is and how every person has a place. Every person has a call, Lord, in the body. Lord, those that are here today that have concerns and ailments and frustrations, I just ask, Lord, that you would just meet their needs, Lord. Just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. And, uh, you know, a lot of you are probably really familiar with this study um, Daniel in the lion's den, and we've heard it for many years if we've grown up in church, and um, it's uh, just a really neat portion of God's Word, of this account of Daniel. Um, <clears throat> what I'm hoping today is that we don't, <clears throat> excuse me, gloss over the uh, the amazing work that the Lord did through Daniel in this section of Scripture. Um, moving forward, though, after Daniel 6, we're going to get into uh, the prophetic piece of Daniel. It's going to be really amazing what we're going to read through moving forward. So um, read ahead. Uh, there's, um, I think, what, 12 chapters in Daniel. Um, I encourage you to read ahead, and uh, it's always good to stay in God's Word daily. Um, so, uh, as we closed out uh, last week, obviously, I took a break from Daniel. We took a break, and then week before, we went through Daniel 5, and um, we read that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, right, um, uh, the Babylonian kingdom was destroyed within, you know, a, a few minutes after the writing on the wall with uh, Nebuchadnezzar's um, grandson who was in who was the king at the time. And so we see uh, Darius who came in and the, the Medo-Persian um, uh, kingdom now is in control of the known world. And so that's where we pick up now. We pick up in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. And uh, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors, and, and over these were three governors of whom Daniel was one of them, um, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So, so we see Darius is establishing this structured government 
Um, verse 3, then, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So now you see Daniel's, this excellent spirit. We, we, we've seen this theme in Daniel's life. We've seen this theme in, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this excellency that's in their lives. Verse four, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. So when we say that word faithful is faithful to God and then uh, error not found in him, that's pertaining to his um, uh, interaction with the king. And so you see uh, th these, these governors, they wanted to, um, and satraps, they wanted to remove Daniel. They became jealous. So, you know, these three governors, they, they were over those 120, um, and the, the three governors, and we see that Daniel was one of those governors. Um, and, and, and like I mentioned, verse three, uh, we see once again that how Daniel's relationship with God has influenced, um, it has influenced his life in such a way that those around him see that there's an excellent spirit in him. And this is God. This is his relationship with God. Um, and, and the question needs to be in our lives, is that what marks our lives? You know, if you guys were here this morning uh, before church started, I, I unfortunately, and I, maybe you guys hear this and I'll be transparent. I'm a reactive person sometimes. And my son shared something and I, I, I expressed uh, some disbelief in what he was sharing because kids cannot always tell the honest truth. And, and the way I reacted was, not the right way for a Christian to react, you know? And so I had to go and apologize to every person that was in the room. Um, and so even when we make mistakes, it's important that we operate in a godly fashion even after we make mistakes, you know? The world that we live in outside of here, people just blow stuff up. They make mistakes and the world doesn't care. They just keep going and they become unforgiving. And they just, and, and, and if one thing if one thing marks my life, you know, as being an outward person, it's having to apologize a lot in my life for my, my, my activity sometimes. And it's not even blatant sin. It's just my, the way I react to things, you know? So what marks your life, you know? Obviously, God's word says all of us have fallen short. We all have sin issues in our life, which is how I, re I reacted in my flesh. It's a sinful thing in my flesh, the way I reacted. And, and, um, and, and so, you know, what marks your life? Um, is if, if, if there's people in your life that aren't godly, do they see God in you? You have to remember too that in this season of the Bible, um, Daniel and you go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were under pagan rule. These weren't godly leaders. They, they, didn't, they weren't godly at all. And so what kind of environment could you imagine being in if you lived under the, 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 the strong arm of an ungodly kingdom you know, I see so many people like, oh, you know, make America great again, you know, and they think that, you know, America is a Judeo-Christian society, and really, America is just a worldly kingdom, honestly. With those of us who are believers in it, let's not try and make America the, the, the godliness in our life. We need to let God in our life dictate what people see in us. Um, and so we see here that that was in Daniel's life. That's why um, he had this excellent spirit in him. It's not like, oh, you know, hey, you got a great spirit about you, man. It's like yesterday at the Peach Festival, I was handing, you know, flyers out for the church to people. And, and one woman is like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm great. And I say, well, why are you great? Because I'm, I'm expanding. And I'm like, hmm, what does that mean? And so she was trying to get spiritual but she, and, and, and make sense to what she said, but there's no real godliness in her at all. She just has her own thinking. She's, she's thinking that she's just, you know, this cool and downright good person. Well, none of us are good, you know, and without Jesus, I'm helpless. Without Jesus in your life, you're, I'm sorry to say, but you're helpless. You know, it's, it's Jesus in us that dictates the change. And so that's what's seen in Daniel here. Don't mistake where the word says it because there is this excellent spirit upon him. It wasn't about Daniel. It was about Daniel's relationship with God. And don't miss that. So the question is, what marks our life? Does our relationship with God mark our life in such a way that people see that in us and give account to that that's what was in him or that's in us? 
So this king, he was considering giving Daniel position to be over all the kingdom. And jealousy arose amongst these governors. And they started putting seeds of evil in people's thoughts. And, and they started speaking against Daniel. And so they, they all got together and they wanted to, to cause fault against him. They didn't like that the king had favor towards Daniel. And they wanted to discredit him, but they couldn't. You know, when people want to discredit you and you're living for the Lord and you're walking with God and you might have opposition with family and friends and coworkers or whatever that might look like, but if you stay true to the word of God in your life, God's going to take care of the rest. Um, if he can save us from impending doom and perishing for eternity, why can't he help us in this world while we live here? He's absolutely capable, and we'll continue to see that in Daniel's life. I want you to really grasp the veracity of what happened to Daniel in this chapter. Verse 5, then this, these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they knew that Daniel was passionate about God, and if they can't get him with his work ethics and they can't get him with these other things, well, we're going to try and trip him up with the thing that's most important in his life. It's like the enemy comes in, tries to destroy our, our walk with God. That's what he wants to do. He wants to ruin your relationship with other Christians in the church. He wants to ruin your walk with God. So many people in life, like youth group, Gene and I start out doing youth ministry, and I go to Facebook, all the youth from years ago, there's probably 1% of them that are still serving the Lord because they, they don't make the word of God the foundation of their life and the things of the world and the things of themselves the enemy comes in and uses those things against them and discredits their relationship with God. The enemy's always at work. The enemy tried to discredit Jesus' relationship as God when he was tempted. What did Jesus use? The Word of God. We need to let the Word of God be the foundation of our life. It needs to be the barometer. It needs to be the mirror. It needs to be what curtails our failures. It needs to be what directs us. And it's not always easy. And Daniel allowed that to happen. And these men hated that. They couldn't find a fault in him. So one day in our lives, it might just be illegal to pray and read the Bible in the United States. And what will you do when people come against the church and try and remove what we stand for? We need to make up our mind today with what fervency we serve the Lord. It needs to be now. And we need to determine now how we're going to serve God when Christianity becomes illegal in the United States. It just might happen. It's illegal in other countries. There's churches in China. They don't, it doesn't stop them. You know, there's underground churches. The underground church in China is probably the largest church in the world. They don't care if they're going to get killed or dragged away or put in prison. We need to determine in our hearts today whether we're going to serve God with the same fervency that Daniel served the Lord in a pagan world. Because if we don't determine that today, then when those things come up, we'll be like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. Exactly. Whatever that was. Verse 6. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king. In other words, they were like, okay, king, come on. And said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. That's the way you always approach the king, right? Gave him this amazing honor, right? Live forever. All the governors and the kingdom and the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or any man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 8, now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So what happened here is these men were devious. They didn't care if the king was worshipped. They could care less if King Darius was worshipped. They didn't care about that. They only carry, cared if Daniel was destroyed. How devious and evil. They all appealed to Darius's pride and arrogance. That's what happened here. And that's what happens too when people come against uh, People, they, they, it's always pride and arrogance that moves things that are evil like this. It's not the Lord that moves this. Although God allowed this, God allows all things. And who did Daniel represent? Okay. 
Oh, sorry. King Darius, not knowing their intentions for this decree, he signed it into action. But who did Daniel represent? In other words, what marked Daniel's character? God's character, and they hated that. When somebody comes against you, if you're sharing about Jesus or, or, or something is right in the Bible and they actually start accusing you of things, they're not accusing you. They're coming against God himself because the spirit of God lives in you. Do you know that? The only good thing in a Christian is Jesus. That's it. And Jesus somehow loves us so much that he starts changing us and, and starts giving us a desire for the word of God. But when people start literally bringing accusations against you, it's they're, they're accusing God, not you. And I'm saying, obviously, if your conduct isn't horrible, okay? If you're just living your life as a believer. I experienced that this a couple weeks ago. And there were some interesting things that were said to me. And I laughed like Santa Claus because I know who I am in Jesus. And when you know who you are in Jesus, you can laugh at Satan and you can laugh at the demons because they have no power over what is inside of you. And that can even translate into giving you supernatural power in certain circumstances physically. It happened in Daniel's life. The same God that worked in Daniel's life is the same God that is here today to work in our lives. God loves you and wants to prove how much he loves you. He's going to carry you through every circumstance and situation in your life, even when it feels, okay, like it's dire. You know, our feelings lie to us. Our feelings want us to go all like this. I'm so glad that Jesus is so stable, man, that the word of God is stable. If you're dealing with things in your life, go to the Psalms, man. Read Psalms. Just open the Bible, read Psalms, and read it over and over and let it wash over your soul. Let it wash over your mind. Let it wash away the garbage thinking and all the different things. And we see here Daniel, his life was submitted to God in such a way that the things that we're going to read about him experiencing, they didn't matter. What mattered was him worshiping the true and living God. And we can understand, too, through what we're going to read here about Daniel that he had an active, literal relationship with God. If you're wondering, hey, what does that look like? Then say, Lord, I need you to show me what it means to have an active, experiential relationship with the true and living God. I want to experience God in my life. We need to experience God. And I don't mean emotional upheavals like that are at some churches or, oh, you know, I got tingly in my fingers when I prayed. Well, no, man, you held your hands up too long. I mean, really experiencing the true and living God that spoke the world into existence. I want that for my life so that when I'm pressed in and, 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 and under attack either spiritually or from other people, whatever it might be, that my life is stable in him. It's so important for us. Daniel's life was stable in his relationship with God. So we see here King Darius, he wrote this into action, not knowing, you know, what he was really doing, not knowing the intentions of all of these people that came, all of these leaders that came and told him to do this. So King Darius signed that decree. What happens next? This is amazing. Verse 10. I want you to really grasp what this is saying here. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so what does that tell us about Daniel? He knew what had just happened, okay? He literally knew that, that King Darius signed a decree that anyone that, does, that worships any other god will be thrown in a den with some hungry big cats, okay? I, I, I've only been, I've only seen a lion like maybe at a circus when I was a kid or at Marine World when they had stuff like that. How many of you guys have ever seen a real lion in life? Would you ever go pet it? Aaron's saying yes. Now in Mexico, they have this bobcat where you can pet it as a kid and my kids did do that. But that's not a hungry lion. I would never want to be next to a hungry lion. My dogs freak me out when they get, you know, rowdy over a toy I try and take from them, you know. And, I, you know, you can tame a dog, you know, usually. And so Daniel 
100% knew, okay, what was written about this decree. He didn't know what God was going to do. He had no idea. He didn't have Daniel 6 to read. Oh, okay, Lord, you already wrote it all out for me. I know exactly what's going to happen. So I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool with that. I was talking with somebody yesterday about it. He's like, yeah, Daniel didn't read Daniel. He was living it. But we have Daniel to encourage us. We have the Bible to encourage us. We need to read the Bible so that we're staying encouraged because the rest of the world wants to lie to us the way these men lied to the king. and wants to destroy our walk with God. So here we see here, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went home and he turned the TV on, looked at Facebook. What did he do? In his upper room, with all the windows closed and shut because he was scared. No, with the window wide open toward Jerusalem because that's where they would pray towards Jerusalem because that symbolized the Lord, symbolized things for them. And he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God because he was desiring to get some change. No, no. Because that was his custom since early days. In other words, what the pagan king, who, mind you, loved Daniel, okay? Darius loved Daniel. They had an amazing relationship with each other. But this decree went out, and Daniel, he didn't just pray because this decree went out. He just did his normal Christian thing that he's always done. So I want you to understand that in our lives, we have to have a way of life with the Lord, a, 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 a living relationship. Get up early, make yourself get up early and read the Bible. Like I said last week, I need to do it more. And when I was on vacation, I did it more. And like, I need to force myself to do it because my flesh is just like, you don't want to do that. And then I, I wake up and something's happening in my mind. Why are you waking up and doing that? Like all the, everything's gonna distract you from the Bible. It's like I invite people to church. Oh, I wanna go to church. Oh, I wanna go to church. I wanna go to, oh, you know, this and that and this and that and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Well, whatever you prioritize in your life is what you'll make important. And that's a fact, you know. We go to work because we get paid, but we don't read the Bible even though it eternally affects our life. Which one's greater? I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm not trying to, I'm not throwing around a hammer trying to hit anybody. Our flesh is, wants to do its own thing always. But we see here, Daniel went home and as he normally would, regardless of what Darius signed in, regardless of, D Daniel knew that if somebody saw him, he would get thrown to the lions. He knew it. Crazy, it's crazy faith. Crazy trust, unashamed, radical love for God in his life. The world is dying to see Christians like that, literally, literally. Yesterday when we were at the, you know, the, the Peach Festival and seeing Child Evangelism Fellowship and these seven teenagers that had just gone through training at a camp this summer and they had already been at two different ice cream parties. They do ice cream parties to share the gospel in the neighborhood houses and they came all the way from Sacramento and, and came because God's creating this connection with Child Evangelism Fellowship so that we can get into the schools and do Good News Club. Somebody told me years ago they had a dream and saw children around this ministry before this church was even planted. And when people say that and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. I don't even know what that looks like, but I'm watching God put pieces together. And it doesn't have to do with Metanoia Community Church Oliver's growing. It doesn't have to do with Brian. It has to do with God wanting to change people's lives. And if the adults are stubborn and want to not serve God, well, you know who's ripe for the harvest is children. Children need to know the Lord. It needs to be whatever God wants to do in the body of Christ pertaining to sharing the gospel, we need to run with that like our life depends on it. And I believe God is raising up this, this ministry to be able to go into the schools and serve the community in that fashion. And watching these, these teenagers share the gospel yesterday just by building a bracelet. Man, there was three of them over here on the grass and there was two over here and there was two literally just spread out on, on the corner of 3rd and D Street in Marysville where you got people that are drunk walking around and smoking pot and everything. And, and I'm just sitting back and as a, as a, as a pastor who desires to watch people do ministry, I'm watching these people that I met 10 minutes ago 
sharing the gospel to 55 children while I'm sitting there. I'm just like, wow, Lord, praise God. This is awesome. This is amazing. Let's keep doing this. And it was encouraging to me. And when you get involved and you do things with people and you, and, and you serve the Lord in that capacity, it's so encouraging. And it's so like right on. This is what needs to be happening. These kids are all under 18. It's just radical. And one kid came to know the Lord through that. And they had just been serving God like in Sacramento. And it was short notice. This all came together within like two weeks, you know? So my question is, are we willing to serve God wholeheartedly with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Are we willing to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and watch what comes out of our life? Let me encourage you. Let's be like Daniel was here, where when things seem like they're against us, so we just our, our life is about prayer and 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 worship and 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 reading the word, and that our life becomes worship towards God. And so people then see it; they see the excellence of God in us. That's that's the Holy Spirit wants us to be that way. That's part of the Lord's work in our life to be a light in the midst of the darkness. And it's just a radical thing watching people do that, giving their lives. These teenagers that could have been doing anything else, you know? And then my son, Nehemiah, he's like, Dad, I want to do that. I want to I I be them. And they tell him, hey, you know what, kid? You know, because I'm you know, called to be a pastor, you need to do this. That's not my attitude with my children. I want God to grab my kids' hearts and build in them what he wants them to be. And when my son, who's 12 years old, sees this happening, and he goes, when can I go to camp to go learn to do this? I'm like, okay, go. It's just a radical thing to watch God capture someone's life. And Daniel's life was captured in that fashion. Such an amazing thing, you know. It's a beautiful thing. And so we see, you know, Daniel, he went about his daily business, opened the window, no fear, not timid. He knew what had been signed in the order and he worshiped God, not the king. And like I meant, this is to be our attitude, our intentions and our actions in our lives as well. We need to serve the Lord. We need to worship God no matter what. No matter what. We're to take a stance of worship and prayer towards God no matter what may come against us or the church. And even more so as we see the day of Jesus Christ approaching, it's coming sooner than when we first believed. Look at what's going on in Russia. Look at what's going on in the Middle East. Look at what's going on in the economy. We are in a historical state in the world. And the Lord is looking for those that are willing to serve him and willing to give their lives away. And maybe you don't know the Lord. I don't know. I'm not to judge whether you know Christ or not, but may today be the day of salvation for you. And maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you know, hey, take a step of faith, get involved with things. Hey, you know what? If, if you feel like that's what the Lord's putting on your heart, come and talk with me after church. We'll, we'll figure out how to plug you in to serve the Lord. You know, we have movie nights. We need help setting up. We I, there's a, you know, we need help going to the neighborhood. And that's on my heart again to just remind people, hey, we love you, we're here. You know, we're gonna do the produce giveaway. If you wanna show up on that day and just connect with people, you know, it's just an amazing thing. So we see here in verse 11 through 14, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying. So obviously they went out looking for him. They knew, they knew that Daniel would be praying. So they're like, hey, we're going to sign this decree. Darius, we know what's going on with Daniel. That's why they said the only way we're going to get him is with his relationship with God, basically. So they looked for him. They, they, they found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And then they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. And so now they're using the decree against the king. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, anybody who worships anything except you, O king, within 30 days, O king, shall, they shall be cast into the den of lions. 
The king answered and said, the thing is true. In other words, what you're saying, yeah, absolutely, that's what happened. According to the law of the Medes, Persians, which does not alter. One thing you have to understand is that there was a check and balance in the kingship of during the Mede and Persian uh, r- ruling. And when a king signed something into decree, even he couldn't reverse it, okay? And it was just kind of a check and balance so that the, the, what the king couldn't go back on his word and basically. So, um, so anyway, so, so we see that, you know, that, that that doesn't alter verse 13. So they answered and said, so these, these men are saying to the king uh, th- that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, look at Daniel, does not show due regard for you, O king, for, for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day to his God and not you. And the king, I added to his God, not you, obviously. And the king, when he heard these words was what? Angry. No, he was greatly displeased with who? Himself. This shows his relationship with Daniel. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So like I had mentioned, uh, Medo-Persian government, if the king signed something, could not reverse it. King Darius loved Daniel. He was very upset about the situation. These men had lied to him and had him sign this thing. And he tried and tried and tried and tried to remove this situation. And he could not. He couldn't. It was impossible. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Isn't that always great? People are, you know, critical, judgmental people. They're always great. They're going to tell you what's up and down. So these dudes are telling the king, Hey, you can't change this. He knew that, verse 16. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of kittens, the den of hungry lions. Uh, And the king spoke saying to Daniel, now listen to this, this is underlined and boldened in my notes here. And this is a pagan king. He's not a believer, okay? And this says something about Daniel's relationship with God. So here's what Darius said to him. Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I want you to think about that for a second. A non-believer was proclaiming to a believer that his God was gonna deliver him from ferocious lions. It's pretty profound, actually. Daniel's life showed King Darius how weak God was No. It showed this pagan demon worshiper king how great and capable Daniel's God was. How great and capable is your God if Jesus is your Lord. If he's the Lord and Savior of your life, he is great and capable of all things. Are our lives this type of example to those around us? This is so convicting. Is my life this type of example to where people say, wow, the the God Brian serves is great. He'll deliver him. Or am I around, yeah, my life is just garbage and this and this and that and that and blah, blah, blah. Man, I can almost bet that half of us in this room have nothing to complain about compared to this. We as Americans are so comfortable We're so spoiled, almost to the point where our faith and our trust in God isn't even activated. We just, we have everything at our fingertips. I was reading a book, I'm still reading it. I encourage you, it's a book by John Bonner. It says basically there's no coincidences. That's not the exact title, but that's what it's about. And he's a He's a missionary and, uh, in South America, and he's a Calvary Chapel pastor and leader of the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Peru, and it's his testimony. And in the beginning of his chapters, he will give like a little excerpt of his chapter. And so the, this one chapter, it says, I was in a, on an airplane in LAX waiting for the flight to take off to go to a country that I've never been to before and have no idea where I'm going, and I have 42 cents in my pocket. How amazing it is to trust the Lord in his provision. And I was like, wow, that's like real, right? 
Like our lives need to be put into a place of trust, right? We need to be able to, our, our, our faith and trust in God needs to be an active thing. And I think sometimes in our lives, we just have, we're, we have so many comfort, creature comforts, even in my own life. Like, am I really trusting? Am I, is my life in a place where I have to trust God? Daniel's life was in such a way that this pagan king even recognized it. Some, it's profound. Verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords and uh, that, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. So in other words, you know, he's now in the lion's den. And the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. King Darius did not sleep that night. His regular nightly entertainment and feasting did not occur. Um, he was upset, very, very upset, actually. Verse 19 and 20, then, then the king arose very early in the morning and he went in haste. In other words, he's running to the lion's den. You know, could you imagine not brushing his teeth or anything? Didn't do anything. He just got dressed and, and went. And, and so now verse 20, and when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice. Do you know what that means? Broken, like super broken. Have you ever been super sad? I mean, super, 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 super sad. He wasn't like, hey, Daniel, are you in there? And this shows just how much Darius loved Daniel and how broken he was over the situation. And so he has this lamenting voice and he goes and he says, and he, and he cries out with this lamenting voice to Daniel and the king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Again, this is a pagan king making this representation. Has your God whom you serve partially, no, continually been able to deliver you from the lion's? I want you to really grasp the veracity of who is saying this and what he's saying about God. It's amazing. In verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. So Daniel just gives the regular presentation of what you would say to the king. Verse 22, this is an amazing piece here. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me. And here's what I want to underline here because I was found innocent before him. Then Daniel says, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. What miraculous thing we see here. Daniel was saved by who? By how strong he was? No. Because he was a lion tamer? No. Because he had big pieces of steak to feed the lions? No. Because he was found what before God? Innocent. Innocent. So as I was studying, I had this thought, thinking of us, what we will face one day. We may not face lions, but we will face God one day. When you and I face God, there's only one way for us to be found innocent before him. Doesn't have to do with preaching. Doesn't have to do with going to peach festivals. It doesn't have to do with sharing anything with anybody. It has to do with one thing through Jesus Christ that we're found innocent. Don't gloss over the story of Daniel in the lion's den and miss this piece. There's one reason. It was because of Daniel's relationship with God and that he was found innocent before God. John 3, 16, you guys know it, right? But don't stop there. You gotta read 17 and 18 to show really what we're saved from. John 3, 16 through 17 through 18 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which is Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So, so God didn't send Jesus to, to, to send people to hell. Hell was created for Satan and his demons. People choose to go to hell because they choose to deny the fact that God sent his son Jesus to die for them and give them the opportunity to live with him forever and not be put to hell. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. It's so important to understand that. God loved the whole world. But this is it. But that the world through him, okay, through who? Through Jesus might be saved. 
Verse 18, he who believes in him is what? Not condemned. Do you see what that means? It's not about our action in ministry. Yes, we have to serve the Lord. I believe that once we have a relationship with Jesus, that our, our relationship with him, there needs to be an action in our life that shows that we actually know Jesus. He wants to use you. But that's not being used by him is not how we get to heaven. That's a byproduct of the supernatural power that God puts in us and allows us in spite of us to somehow shine Jesus to the world around us. Which is what happened in Daniel's life. He who believes in him is not condemned. Then the last part of 18, but he who does not believe in Jesus, I'm gonna put Jesus in there because that's the context. He who does not believe is condemned already. It's interesting. There's no time or space in that. It's if you don't believe, you stand condemned by God if Jesus is not in you. It's a fact. I didn't write it. Jesus spoke this. This is the reality of what the gospel is about. That's why it's so important to be praying and asking God and seeking God for opportunities to share the love and truth of the gospel with those around you because people literally stand condemned without Jesus right now. And so when I see in Daniel chapter six, verse 22, and how this phrase here, because I was found innocent before him, all I thought of was that I am only found innocent because Jesus lives in me. No other reason. And John 3, 16 through 18 says this. Those who don't believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. It's very fascinating to me. I, I never thought about Daniel Lyons Den and the correlation of this and the correlation of Daniel's relationship with God and how it can be applied to our lives, that our lives need to be marked by God in such a way that we're found innocent because Jesus makes us innocent. It's by the blood of Christ. Jesus shed his blood for us. Do you know that when Jesus died on the cross, he saw, he's, being God, he sees everybody. He knows everything. He knew everyone. And sometimes we get stuck on like, oh, I got this process. I got to work out to get saved. But then you look at the thief on the cross who was next to him and one guy's mocking Jesus. Hey, if you're God, get off the cross. And the other guy's like, hey, if this is who you are, can I please be with you in heaven? And what happened? Jesus said, you'll be with me. How radical is that? That just goes against all of my thinking of what I need to do to get God to be happy with me. God's pleased with me because Jesus is inside of me and he's gonna change my conduct as I walk with him, the conduct that's unpleasing because that's, he's cool like that, right? He'll let us be prideful and not walk with him. I mean, he'll let us be prideful and choose to not walk with him. But then, you know, hopefully our circumstances get so intense in our life that we finally throw up our hands and say, okay, fine, God. Okay, I'm gonna go the way you want me to go. Let our lives be marked by the true and living God so that our relationship with him is seen. Then we're found innocent before him. Verse 24, I'm sorry, I, uh, verse 23. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Could you imagine Darius? He's like, what the heck? Get him out of there. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him. Because why? He believed in his God. This should convict us in our lives. Do we believe in God in such a way that if we're thrown into the den of lions because we believe in him, will he save us? And you know what? If Daniel got eaten up, where would he go? Yeah, he'd be with God. So it's irrelevant. The circumstances in our life compared to the veracity and ex exceeding power of God should not compare. We make a big deal about so many things and I'm guilty with it. We just need to trust the Lord. We need to let God be God in our life. The same way Daniel let God be God in his life. And don't discount, oh, that's Daniel. He had a calling on his life and he was a special guy. I'm just, you know, this fat bearded old guy. I can't do any of that. Well, then I'm saying God's not God in my life and he's not the Lord in my life and he's not the power of my life and I don't have a real active relationship with God in my life because I'm making everything else in my life greater than God. And then everything else in my life would be my God and not God. 
Did you follow that? Whatever is greater in your life is the Lord of your life if it's greater than God and your relationship with God. It's convicting. Our relationship with the Lord should, we should be in this process of, of conviction of our flesh, our conviction of our distress, conviction so that we come to before the Lord and say, God, will you please help me with this so that I would actually walk this way with you? Give me more trust in you. Give me more faith in you, please. Help my prayer life. Help my reading of the word. He just wants us to be clinging to him as our daddy, as our father. He wants to hear every single thing in our life that bothers us. He wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to have this open relationship with him the same way Daniel would just throw the windows open. Sometimes in my house, the windows are open and Gina, you know, we have a piano in my house and just, there's just, Jesus just flying out of my house. Then they hear us yelling and arguing and kids and all this stuff. And then I feel condemned. But people just need to see the reality that we're just human beings, you know? And then there's opportunity, you know? Then we start talking about kids. Oh, yeah, when I had kids, and oh, yeah, my marriage this. And, uh, yeah, and you know what, Gina, we, yeah, we just, we want the Lord to be in our life, and we're a mess. But is our life marked by God in that way? Don't hide your light under a bush or a basket. It's amazing what Daniel's relationship did. It's like, God, can I ever be like Daniel? <laughs> Verse 24, and the king gave the command and, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Wow. So these men and their families paid the ultimate price for their evil deeds. There's consequences in life. There's a judgment for those that do not make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. Matthew 25, verse 30 says this, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hell. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. My son said, what's that? It's like, oh, it's like gritting your teeth. Or, oh, in pain continually. No, no peace, none. It's black and white. There's a line drawn. Jesus drew it, man. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I thought about this. These men and their families, they paid the ultimate price. Jesus Christ spoke many parables compare, com, comparing between the two types of people, those that would be in heaven with God forever and those that would be separated from God forever. All of this hinges on if you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, nothing else. It's amazing the consequences that are in people's lives. And people, hey man, and we need to be praying for, for God to remove the scales from the eyes and the hearts of those that don't believe, you know? We can't get angry about it. It's like, you know, like yesterday, I'm, I, I would, I, my feet hurt so bad. I'm old and fat and can't walk forever. So, you know, I just, a, a, a flyer for the church that talks about the movie night and stuff. I, and you know what? I just want people to come to know Jesus. You know, if, if I give them a flyer and they say, oh, Metanoia Church, that's a weird name. Huh, hon, let's go to church. And they go to another church. I don't care. So I'm just, I, and I tell people, hey, this is for you. Just because I've been in sales all my life. I know, don't say, do you want this? Because if somebody says that to me, I'll say no. So I'm just walking, this is for you, this is for you. And some people are like, no, no, no. And other people are like, oh, thanks. You know, they don't know what I gave them. Then they read it. Maybe they go to the website. Maybe they go to the website where it says, do you want to know about Jesus? I don't know. I don't know why I shared that. So King Darius wrote this to all peoples, nations, languages, dwell on the earth, dwell in all the earth. You got to remember that 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 Medo-Persian, the known world, that's what we're talking about, okay? The known world is what, what this dialogue is towards. That's the kingdom, was the, they were in, he was in charge of the known world at the time, just like Babylon was. 
um, to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell, excuse me, in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before who? God of Daniel. Yeah. What the heck? Like literally, it's a pagan king writing this about God. It's amazing. For he is what? The living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. Praise God. That's hallelujah. The kingdom that we're a part of as believers in Jesus Christ today as we sit here, if Jesus is in your heart or online, the kingdom that you're a part of will never be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in, in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus and Persian. So Darius and Cyrus, there would be two different names depending on where the king would have been writing this decree. And so he used both of his names so that it would cover all things, all areas. It's just amazing what God did through Daniel, you guys. And I want to leave you with, no, we're going to end. Uh, uh. I'm going to leave you with Revelations 12, 10 through 11. Sorry that we went over today. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Spurgeon wrote this, about Revelation 12, 10 through 11. It works first because his victory is our victory. Jesus' victory is yours. First, you are to regard Satan this day as being already literally and truly overcome through the death of the Lord Jesus. Satan is already vanquished enemy. By faith, grasp your Lord's victory as your own since he triumphed in your nature and on your behalf. Come, my soul, thou hast conquered Satan by the Lord's victory. Wilt thou not be brave enough to fight and vanquished foe and trample down the enemy whom thy Lord has already thrust down? Do you understand the veracity of Revelation? It talks of Satan's already destroyed. That's his future. It's already a done deal. He just wants to try and trip us up while we're here on the earth. Be brave enough to fight and vanquish the foe and trample down the enemy of whom the Lord has already thrust down. Thou needest not be afraid, but say thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for each and every person here. Thank you for their patience. Thank you for your word. Thank you so much, God, for the testimony of Daniel and the lion's den. Thank you for those that know you. Lord, I pray for those that might need to know you, Lord, that you would draw them unto salvation. And Lord, uh, if there's anything in this house today that needs a touch from your spirit, I pray that you would do so. Just thank you, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you would bless the food that we're going to have today and uh, that you would just uh, continue to work in our lives as you see fit. And anything, Lord, that may have come out of my mouth that's not of you, may it just fall to the wayside, God. And that you would just keep in our hearts and minds the victory that we have in Jesus. Thank you for that reminder, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.